in this series in God We Trust, and this is uh, week two, and we were really spending time discussing what it means to place our trust in God, and being a nation who is called to be under God and God we trust, uh, sometimes we even as, as believers need a reminder of what that looks like. You know, last week we answered the question, can you trust God? Because in a season of just chaos, it seems like, and it seems like no matter where you turn, what news station you're watching or what you're looking at on social media, it's just bad news. And that's just not the reality of what God desires for our lives. Last week when we talked about this idea of of trusting God completely, we talked about the need to have two prayers that we pray when it comes to that place of trust. The first one being, God, help me obey when I don't understand. And God, help me surrender when it doesn't make sense. And those are two prayers that are dangerous because they'll compel us to step out of a safe place when it comes to trusting God and stepping out in what he's calling us to do. Today we're in week two and we'll be taking time to consider who or what is influencing us most in our lives. Because the reality is you're being influenced one way or the other. You're either influencing people or you're being influenced. You're either influencing culture or you're being influenced by it. This past week, the nation watched as a, as a new president was inaugurated and a new administration begins their four-year journey. And there are many who are upset and frustrated and angry and confused. There are many who are excited at a new season and a new age in our country and you know, glass, glass ceilings are breaking all over the place and new, new things are happening in our government. And wherever you find yourself, this continues to be one of the most polarizing and contentious times in our country's history. People are all over the map in their opinions and beliefs on what should be happening or what is happening. The great news is everyone in these situations is right. All of your opinions are right. That's the beautiful thing. Everybody's got opinions, they're all over the place, and you're all right. So just rest in that. You know, there's an old saying, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got got them and they all stink. The reality is you can cover up a lot of these opinions, you know, but we oftentimes find ourselves in these places of, of disagreement and we hold so true and so fast to our opinions and beliefs on how the world should be working. As we've begun this series, In God We Trust, there's another phrase that's been a part of our country for some time. That phrase is under God. Under God. It's in our Pledge of Allegiance. It's in so many different aspects of our government. And we're all familiar with the phrase under God. But what does it mean to truly be under God? Is it fun to just say it? Or is it something that we desire to do. This morning, our text is found in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you'd like to flip there in your Bibles, you can join me there. If you'd like to navigate there on your version Bible app, the notes and the scripture references are available for you. Just search for neighborhood, neighborhood church. But 1 Peter chapter 5, 
starting verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Father God, we thank you that we can cast our cares on you. We, we thank you that we can bring our worries, our concerns, our stresses, our confusion about what's going on in the world. We can set them at your feet. And we thank you, Father God, that as we come under your authority, that you have great things in store. So this morning, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, Lord, that you would speak to our minds, that you would bring the things to the surface that we need to be aware of and we need to understand as it pertains through our walk with you. And I thank you, God, that we, whenever we come into your presence, we can never leave the same. We're always changed. And so God, change us more and more into your likeness this morning, we ask. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. There's a lot there to consider. But the emphasis Peter puts is that we remain under God. Because he says to humble yourselves under God, and then he will lift you up. But too often we want to kind of live our own lives and go our own ways. And if we're going to really truly understand what it means to be under God, it begs the question, how do we as Christ's followers live under God in a culture that seems to be getting more and more hostile towards Jesus. How do we do that? How do we accomplish that feat? The question we have to ask ourselves is, what is influencing us? What is influencing you? Because you're being influenced every day and every moment. There's so many things that are vying for our attention and vying for our focus, and they influence us in one way or another. They influence us towards God, or they influence us towards culture. And those two things do not coexist. The culture of this world is in direct contradiction to God. And so let's play a little game this morning. Behind me, you'll see a range of influences. And I want to ask, in different situations, what are you under? Are you under culture? Or are you under God? When it comes to entertainment, do you find yourself navigating naturally more and more to things that are unwholesome, things that challenge your spirituality, things that maybe don't depict the healthiest lifestyle around? I gotta get home. I gotta watch The Bachelor. I gotta see who gets the rose. Like that. And that. The relationships, they're so pure. That's what I want for my relationship. Do we find ourselves gravitating more and more towards temporary satisfactions and pleasures? Or when it comes to the influence of entertainment, are we allowing the things of God into our soul? Are we listening to music that edifies him? I'm going to be honest with you, I have a very eclectic listening library. Just ask my wife. She hates it when we drive because I tend to plug in my iPhone and play my music, and it's very much my music. 
So there's a lot of interesting stuff. I, just rest assured, I don't have an explicit library that, you know, I'm not that hardcore, um, contrary to what you would think. But do we allow things into our life that are strengthening our walk with Christ, that are bringing the right things in so that we can have the right things come out? Are we allowing culture to influence our entertainment? Or what do you spend your money on? Are you someone who really wants to indulge the things that you want and need and you're all about gathering, you know, belongings and, and, and wealth and I want to get as much as I can before I leave this earth? I heard a, a pastor one time say, you know, you don't ever see a, a, U, a U-Haul trailer hooked to the back of a hearse. You, know, you, can't, you can't take any of it with you. But so often we're, we're driven by more and more and more, and I've got consu- to consume more and more. I've got to g- g- gain more and more. Or are you someone who wants to spend your money on others? You want to in- invest in other people. You want to bless people. That idea of being that conduit of blessing. I'm, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Investing in others. Giving where you can. Because there's a way that culture does it, and there's a way that God does it. Culture says, me, 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 get more and more and more. God says, no, 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 no. I give to you, I trust to you so that you can give it away. What kind of words do you speak? Are you somebody who speaks life, who encourages one another naturally? You, you find a desire to come alongside of people and show them kindness and love the way that God would? Or are you somebody who finds fitting to cut people down and to insult people? I would say there's, there's not been a more crazy time in our culture where people just seem to be kind of emboldened to share their opinions and disagree and insult one another. And some of the conversations that I see among Christians break my heart because they're not Christ-like at all. And they're based on stupid, temporary things. Like, yeah. And yet we think it's okay. I can cut people down as long as it's in the name of science. And we want to use our opinion to leverage ourselves in culture. So we're driven by the desire to speak like our culture does. Where do you find your worth? You find your worth in relationship and community, coming together to encourage one another and edify one another and sharpen one another and build one another up? Or do you find your worth in something much more important, like Facebook likes and little hearts? When you open up your app, it's just like that, that little dopamine hit. You're just like, oh, people love me. It's right here. It's evident right here. I got 32 likes on this post, and I just posted it like 30 minutes ago. That's, that's, that's like a, a like a minute. It just, I mean, everybody should just see how amazing I am. And we're driven by these temporary levels of excitement. God would say, no, 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 no. I've built you to be the body of Christ. 
I've built you to be a community of believers who are pointing people more and more to me. What drives your worth? What are you under the influence of today? Have you ever been around somebody who's under the influence? I know we're not supposed to talk about this in church. But seriously, have you ever been around somebody who's been under the influence? Maybe under the influence of alcohol? It affects their senses. It affects what's funny to them. Where you're like, I don't know why you're laughing. Nobody said anything funny, but okay. It affects who they love or who they find attractive. Right? And it gets a little uncomfortable. You're like, okay. But it affects them in a way that is not natural. And certainly not Christ-like. Or maybe you've been around somebody who's under the influence of an an addictive behavior, drugs, and a chemical dependency, and it deadens their ability to feel. It deadens their ability to relate to people, to control their impulses, control their behaviors. And it's sad to watch. Maybe this one hits a little closer to home. Maybe you've been around somebody who's under the influence of anger. Always negative. Always cutting. Always bringing people down. Did you know that anger, when you're under the influence of anger, it actually diminishes your ability to process information rationally? Psychologists have done studies on this. That when you're angry, your, your emotions get elevated to a place where you'll say and do things that you wouldn't normally do, evidenced all over our country, in people doing despicable things, and we all wonder why. It's because they're angry, and they're losing rational thought. What if we're so intoxicated with the culture of this world that we're not even aware We're under its influence. Have you ever stopped to think about that? We're so caught up in what's going on in this world that we don't even understand or we don't even see that it's influencing us in a way that is contrary to what God would desire for our lives. So how do we follow Christ in a culture that continues to dismiss who God is and what he desires each of us. Today we're going to look at one of the greatest all-stars in the Bible, my honest and humble opinion. That is the all-star, Daniel. Let me just, I mean, I think we can all agree. (laughs) The guy. But let me build some context when it comes to the story of Daniel, because there's much to be considered when it comes to his journey. Daniel was raised as a Jewish boy. He was, he was raised in a culture that worshipped the one true God, worshipped Yahweh. And we understand that Daniel was raised in such a way where he was very dedicated to his faith. He was very dedicated to his belief in God. And we also understand that in the midst of all of that, there was an empire, the Babylonian empire, that was very strong and ba- the Babylonians came in and wiped out the nation of Israel. They, they destroyed everything. They came into Jerusalem and, and left it in shambles. They, they destroyed the temple. And they then took 
the Israelites into captivity. So we find this situation where Daniel has now been taken from his home and thrust into a, a culture that is absolutely in contradiction to God's desire for him. King Nebuchadnezzar was, was a wicked king, and he wanted to indoctrinate the best and the brightest Jewish boys into the Babylonian culture. He wanted to bring them in and begin to indoctrinate them so that they would be the next generation of leaders in Babylon. We pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to, look, to serve in the kingdom's, king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. So Daniel finds himself in this place where he's been thrust into this situation where he's going to be built up to serve the king. You can imagine it was, it, was, it was probably pretty crazy. A change of language, a change in education. They want to change their diet. It's probably something weird like, like what Pastor Grant and Pastor Matt have been doing with the whole keto thing. <laughs> God's three and a half people got that one. I mean, let's just be honest, people. Anything where you can't have bread and pasta, it's... Pretty sure that's not of the Lord. <laughs> but does any of this sound familiar? A culture in which language is changing. There's change, changes at, at the level of ac academia and education. It, it sounds pretty familiar with, with, with what we're walking through. And the influences to think and believe and behave in certain ways. And our culture is, is, is yelling at us to change the way we think, change the way we believe, change the way we behave. I am who I say I am, and, and you have to respect me for that. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be that, and my ideas are mine, and my opinions are mine, and you have to acknowledge them. The enemy is on the attack. The father of lies is lurking at every angle. And the enemy of your soul desires to seduce you and lie to you and deceive you to the point where you'll begin to navigate into a culture that is absolutely at opposition to God's desire. And very quickly, we can get lulled into a false reality. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I... All these other people are screwed up. I'm a Christian. I'm good. We're, we're, we're okay. And we get anesthetized by all these things that are happening in culture, and we think we can coexist with them, and it'd be okay. The reality is we can't halfway follow Jesus. There's no kind of like, hey, I'm kind of a Christian, kind of a Christ follower. There's no such thing as a part-time follower of Christ. You know, we, don't, we don't just wake up one day and, and you know, our eyes open up. Bing! Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm holy. 
Last night I wasn't, and now I am. This is amazing. I am so glad that I'm a part of the family of God because now I'm holy. It doesn't work that way. You don't just kind of fall into something. You don't fall into a relationship with Jesus, trip into it. Oops, (laughs) that was a mistake. But we can apply it to life, right? You know, for, for to stay healthy, you can't just work out one hour a month. You're like, well, I'm good now. I was unhealthy, but then I worked out, and now I'm healthy. And I'm not going to work out for another month because it's not fun. And now I'm in pain. You can't just eat healthy once a week and think that's going to do it for you. Or maybe apply it to your marriage. I'm, I'm, I'm nice to Gretchen every other week. I mean, isn't that, isn't that enough? I mean, it's, it's the expectation that I do that more. I mean, I said I do to her, you know, 23 years ago. I mean, I did. Wait, do I have to continue this on? I mean, it's, I would think that would be sufficient. But that's not how it works. That's not how healthy marriages operate. Or let's... Bring it a little closer to home, your spiritual life. I go to church for one hour a week. I'm a Jesus follower. That should be good. Where in the Bible does it say that I'm supposed to to, to do that more? I mean, come on now. That's enough. But the reality is we can't just kind of sprinkle a dab here, a little, you know, a little dabble do you. That's That's not how Christianity works. That's not how following Christ works. We've got to understand that to live under God daily predetermines the decisions that reflect him. We have to make decisions to follow him. To live under God daily predetermines the decisions that reflect him. You have to make a decision ahead of time. It's not enough to in the moment go, uh, let's see here. I don't know. Culture, God, culture, I kind of like this. Now we have to come to that place where we make an intentional decision. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to, to defile himself this way. So what did Daniel prioritize? The king said, eat food devoted to pagan gods and drink the wine of the court. And Daniel had predetermined, he had predecided, I'm under God, I can't do that. I can't eat food that's been given to idols. That would be, that would be contrary to what I know I'm, I'm supposed to be doing. But it's interesting, when it came to his, his name, They wanted to change all their names to Babylonian names. And do you know what Daniel did? He said, that's fine. That's fine. That's an outward label. Because Daniel knew who he was. He didn't need to defend his own name. He knew who he was. He knew who he was in God. So there were situations where he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then there were situations he's like, "I'm, I'm good. I know whose I am. But he did take a stand when God's name was under attack. He stood up and he faced opposition when God was under attack. Are we willing to do that? 
Are we willing to stand up when God's name is under attack? Are we willing to, to speak the truth in love? Because to live under God, we have to decide. And we have to decide ahead of time. It's not enough to be in the moment. We have to decide to spend time daily with him. Spend time in the word. It's not enough to wake up in the morning and go, eh, should I do my devotions? I'm still pretty darn tired. My thumb's throbbing. I can't even open my Bible. I mean, we have to decide. We have to decide when, when it comes to our relationships, healthy relationships, our pursuit of marriage. We have to decide not to have sex until marriage. It, it can't be, oh, hey, here we are in this compromising situation. I, I don't know what I should do. We have to pre-decide. We have to pre-decide not to allow ourselves to become drunk or to become a stumbling block for those who struggle in that area with alcohol. We have to pre-decide that we're not going to allow life-controlling habits or substances to take control of our lives. We have to pre-determine to tithe and to contribute to the ministry of the church, to prioritize giving back what God has entrusted to us so that the ministry of the church can be multiplied across the community, across the world. We have to pre-decide. And we have to make the decision to be in community. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We are a community of believers, a community of people who are on mission to follow God's plan for their lives leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't say, build a government with the right political figures and leaders, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You're putting too much stock, too much into the forces of this world, and they're always going to let you down because they're imperfect, and they're run by imperfect people. God did not say build a government. Jesus said, build my church, and the weapons of hell will not prevail against it. Build my church. Build this community. Build relationship with those with whom you have the privilege to interact. Build my church. But the temptation becomes... Ah, culture's crazy and stuff's getting wonky and I don't know, man, they're going to tax us and they're going to do this and they're going to mandate us and, and all this stuff's coming down and they're going to try and censor us and they're going to, we're going to have to go underground and we should probably just hunker down now, pull the shades, maybe do like a little Zoom church calls where we just, okay, are you guys good? Because I'm good. We cannot live in fear. We've got to be willing to daily predetermine the decisions that reflect God. The final thing is this. To be under God dictates a need to influence culture, not to run from it. We are not called to run from culture. We're called to influence it. We're called to be world changers. We're called to step out and to step up and to speak the truth of Christ in love. Not to stand on a soapbox and scream at everybody and tell them how jacked up they are, but to love people. 
First Peter 5, 6. Let me read it again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. If we can walk in humility and understand that we're called to be under God, he will raise us up in due time to step into somebody's world and speak love and speak life, and their entire world will change because we were willing to be obedient. We've got to choose to live contrary to the culture of this world, and we need to choose to be under God. So what does that look like? Culture says promote yourself. Get as many likes as you can. Be a social media influencer that people just love and adore. Make sure that all your videos are great, and make sure that when you take your selfie, you kind of tweak the camera, you know, do it sideways, and find the perfect filter that makes sure to remove any blemishes. I don't know if there's one that'll make your thumb look normal again, but (laughs) culture says promote yourself. God says deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Be a servant to all. Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he's kneeling down, washing his disciples' feet. The king of the world, a servant. Culture says consume all you can. Gain more and more and more and more. Get everything you can. Step on anybody you need to to get there. Promotion, wealth, whatever. And God says give it away. Give to people. Bless people with what I've blessed you with. Culture says, hate those who hurt you. Man, you know, that guy, that guy cut me off, and I'm going to tell him what I think, and I've got one little finger that'll tell him he's number one. Hate those who hurt you. Somebody wrongs you, man, you wrong them back, and you make sure you get them good. That's our culture. When somebody messes up your world, look out. Payback's not pretty. What does God say? Love everyone, without exception, without fail. Love everyone, including your enemies, by the way. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's a tall task. Culture says pursue things. God says pursue me. Culture says live for now, YOLO. You only live once, man. Let's, let's get it done. God says, live for eternity because your time on this earth is but a vapor. So live for eternity. Make investments in eternity. Pour yourself into relationships that will have an eternal implication. Culture says, pursue happiness. And God says, pursue holiness. Pursue Christ-likeness. I made you in my image Pursue being more like me. And God's very nature is love. And if we want to reflect him, that's what we'll do. As we close this morning, a great figure in our country's history, Ronald Reagan, said this, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. 
If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of Christ follower who who steps so much into culture and is so influenced by culture that my walk with Christ and my witness of who God is is lost. I don't want to be that kind of person. But we can't forget that we've been called to be under God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father God, we thank you that this morning you are challenging our hearts. Father, you're, you're speaking to our very souls and you're enlightening to us that there are areas of our lives that we have yet to surrender to you, that we have yet to give up. Father, I know that every one of us desires to influence people for you. And yet we get so caught up in the things of this earth. We get so caught up on the things that seem important to us in the moment. Father, I pray that you give us courage. God, that you give us the strength we need to step into relationships so that we can influence people for your glory. That we would step out of this need for a a temporary excitement because I did something great and I can show everybody what I did. I can tell everybody about it. But we would step into interactions that have an eternal impact. We would speak your life, speak your love. God, that we would be influencers of culture, not those who are influenced by it. God, we pray that you'd give us that power, that strength, that that courage through your Holy Spirit. If we were left to do it on our own, God, we would fail and we would fail miserably. But you say that your Holy Spirit will come and be our helper to allow us to live our lives in such a way that we point people to you God, help us. Church, no matter where you're at this week, happy or sad, ready to move because you're not happy with who is sitting in the Oval Office, we need to make some predetermined decisions. Will we choose to live under culture or under God? When we step into relationship with Jesus, we become citizens of heaven. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. We're just temporary citizens on this earth. And we're called to represent the king of heaven, the almighty God. After all, we were made in his image to reflect him. So let's pray for our leaders. Let's love people. Let's be more committed to the areas that we agree on than those in which we disagree. We prepare to close. Our prayer teams are available around the worship center. If there's something that you would like prayer for today, you'd like somebody to agree with you, those individuals are here to believe with you for breakthrough. But I want to ask this question. Whether you're here in the house this morning or you're tuning in online, perhaps you find yourself in that place right now where you say, you know what, this whole 
This whole God thing sounds great, but you know what? I, I, I know what I've done in this life. I know how, how many detours I've taken. I, I know how far away from, from holiness I truly am. And I'm just not sure that's for me. I'm here to tell you it is. Stepping into relationship with Jesus is the best decision you can ever make. And it's the only one that will have the greatest eternal impact that you could ever receive. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, that we will be saved. That's how simple it is. And this morning, maybe you say, I've I've walked away from my faith. God can't forgive me. I've done too many things wrong. I've hurt too many people. I'm beyond help. God says, no. No, I love you. I set you apart for my purposes. And I desire restored relationship. So this morning, if you're in that place where you would say, yeah, that's me, I want to I make a decision. I want to step into relationship. I want to affect eternity. I want to influence culture, not be influenced by it. Then I would ask you to say this prayer. And we're going to say it together as a church so that we don't embarrass anyone or single anybody out. Church, can we say this? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live and he died and was raised back to life so I could have a relationship with you. I ask you to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change and I commit to live my life for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And if you said that prayer and you believed in your heart, you have new life in Jesus. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Church, we should get excited when it comes to being able to share the hope that we have. We got to step out of this, oh my gosh, this is all bad, and man, there's just cause to worry, and what are they going to do next? Man, push past all that, gang. There's too much work to do, and there's too many people who are lost and dying without a Savior. And God has given us what we need to reach those people. Craig Rochelle's a great pastor and leader in our country. He said something that really stuck out to me. He said, no matter which party holds office, our God still holds the world. You know what? The people in this country are going to have power and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. The reality is, God's got it. He's got you. So remember, as we move into this week, as we step out of this church, that we're called to be the church, that we're called to be the neighborhood, that we're called to be those who step into culture and influence it and impact it. Let's not be shy doesn't mean you got to get on your soapbox and start beating people up. It means that we speak love. We speak life. We lean into relationship when we have that opportunity.
So this week, I pray God's blessing on you as you step into culture, as you step into relationship with people. And I pray that we would have the courage and the strength and the understanding to know that as God desires for us to impact people for his glory, that we have the privilege to be the neighborhood. I pray you have a great week. Have a wonderful day. We look forward to being together next week. If you are one of our gentlemen and you'd like to connect with us for our men's breakfast this Saturday, please jump on Facebook and RSVP or call or email the church office and let us know. We'd like to get you on the list. Uh, But we look forward to being in fellowship and continuing to bless our community as God allows us. Have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bless you.